Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner, forensic psychologist from Copycat Killers, Reels Channel's true crime program about real murders inspired by movies. Be sure to subscribe to our series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find true crime TV series like this one on Reels Channel. This program contains graphic violence and sexual situations. Viewer discretion is advised. Dr. Hannibal Lecter. The iconic villain who starred in five feature films and his own network TV series. Hannibal's a charming monster. The guy who will smile at you one minute and eat you the next. Unlike anything we'd ever seen in cinema before. But Hannibal is more than just a movie character. Real life cannibals just like him actually walk the earth. I'm in my with was just a human being, I think with cruel, cruel, cruel ideas. These thoughts, these cravings and desires to indulge in cannibalism, at some point, he wanted to make the fantasy a reality. What does it take to drive someone to break the ultimate taboo, becoming a cannibal? I think the idea of serving a piece of flesh to him and then eating some of it himself. It's like that infamous line that Hannibal delivers. I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice pant. This is the type of case that can give you nightmares. On Valentine's Day, 1991, a very unusual night movie is shown in cinemas. A thriller called Silence of the Lambs. Russell Williams, professor of film studies, American University. Audiences were mesmerized by Jodie Foster's portrayal of the FBI agent, Clary Starling. But it was really her nemesis, Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, that stole the show. Silence of the Lambs practically sweeps the 1992 Academy Awards, winning five Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Actor Award for Anthony Hopkins. There's just something about Hannibal's mix of danger, intelligence, and charm, plus this great sense of humor that makes him irresistible. It's like watching a lion in the cage. You know he can't get to you, and so there's no danger. The success of Silence of the Lambs spawns a sequel years later titled Hannibal. All the different movie villains that we've experienced over the decades, I don't think that there's even a close second for Hannibal Lecter being the top movie villain of all cinema history. Hannibal's popularity at the box office sets off a chain reaction across the internet. Lisa Coriel, crime writer. When Hannibal came out, the internet exploded with chat rooms websites of people talking about cannibalism. It was a big subject. It was suddenly okay to talk about cannibalism. One chat room member, a German man named Armin Mavis, seems to have an unhealthy obsession with a topic from the film, cannibalism. So much so that he's reported to the police by his fellow chat room friends for suspicious behavior. Whatever tips the police got they had to know immediately that this was not some kind of sick internet joke, that this guy was real and that they needed to do something to, you know, stop him. But this chatroom fodder is just the start to a brutally disgusting case. I think when the police knocked on Armin's door, 
they had no idea what was going to be on the other side. Armin welcomes the police officers inside his home, but he knows it's only a matter of time before his secret is exposed. Armin had to have been devastated when the police show up because I don't think he thought he was going to get caught. Tell me, uh, when police ask if they can look around the home, Armin obliges. It's a costly move. Boss? What do you got there? Even the most jaded detective on that case is. was sickened by what they found in that freezer. All right, where's he at? You gonna deny what we found in that freezer? Let's get him down to the station. Police are about to quickly realize that people like Hannibal Lecter don't just exist in the movies. Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner, forensic psychologist. I worked with a lot of criminals within my clinical history, but this is by far the worst case I've ever encountered. Hello, Mr. Mendes. Hello. How are you doing today? I've been better. I'm sure you have. I'm going through the files here a minute. Looks like uh, there's a lot to talk about. My advice today would be just tell them the whole story. They're going to come in a minute and talk to you. I'll be right here. All right. The whole story? Oh, everything. Tell them everything. So where are we at? I'll advise Mr. Medis to uh, cooperate and answer your questions. He should give you no problems whatsoever. All right. Great. All right, Mr. Mavis. Tell me what happened. Over the next five hours, Mavis tells police his whole life story. I guess it all started with my mother being so controlling. There's nothing about Armin as a child that would lead a person to look at him and say, well, there's a monster. Hey, son, how are you? Come here, give your dad a hug. Oh, such a good boy. What have you been doing? Drawing. Yeah, it looks good. What have you been drawing? Armin Mavis's family was wealthy, but it didn't buy them happiness. We were supposed to be here an hour ago. Traffic. Always traffic. Oh, right. You were with that woman. The woman down the street. What are you talking about? You really? know who I mean. Don't take me for a fool. He grew up in a conflicted household. Armin's mother was very paranoid. She was emotionally unbalanced and was attempting to control her life. She accused her husband, while he stayed with her, of being an adulterer, of sleeping with other women. I've had just about enough of you. This is my house! When Mavis is just a young man, his father walks out on the family. It's okay, son. Everything's going to be okay. I'll be back soon, okay? Okay. You make a promise to me? You take care of Mama? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll see you soon. Big hug. 
I'll see you soon. He promised me he would come back. But he never did. When his father abandons him, Armin is left all alone with his mother. What have I taught you? And this pairing isn't a recipe for success. You know better than this. Mind your manners! Unfortunately, the child remains. And the child remains in a house full of emotional conflict. And the child then takes on all that conflict. My mother continued to be very controlling, very angry. I created an imaginary friend. His name was Frank. How was your day, Frank? Do you want to go out in the woods today? Yeah, I want to go in the woods today because it's fun in the woods, right, Frank? With Armin, it's very possible that imaginary friend was to replace the father who had left him. So he could have someone within his life that would never, ever leave him. This child was having difficulty adjusting to and understanding the world he was living in, and he needed help. As Armin enters his teen years, life with his mother only gets harder and harder. When a child grows up without the nurturing, loving environment, it, it warps them. It warps them from the inside, where you can't see it. It's not like the kind of child abuse that you see. You can see the wounds on their flesh. This kind of abuse um, happens in their brain, and you can't see it. You can't look at them and know what they're capable of doing. For Armin, the thought of abandonment leaves him with an insatiable desire for control. In a child's mind, a child is thinking, how do I keep people in my life? It's as simple as that. How do I keep people from leaving me? And somehow, in that childlike mind, he decided the best way to keep people in my life was to eat them, to consume them. It's an unusual craving for an unusual boy. So I read books and came across a compelling topic, how I could keep those who loved me very close. The topic was cannibalism. Cannibalism is, is a primitive attempt um, to control loss. What better way to make sure that no one leaves you than by eating them? I mean, they're with you forever. You're carrying them inside of you. If you've experienced loss as a child, as Armin clearly did, cannibalism is one way. It's a sick way, but it's one way to make sure that no one ever walks out on you. Armin starts diving into the world of cannibalism.
So he consumes all this information, he takes it all in, he processes it, and then he puts it out on paper in the form of illustrations. There were sketches of people that were being captured, attacked, and then chopped up and eaten, as you would with cattle. But the drawings are just the beginning. Soon, Armin starts to design plans on how to eat the flesh of a man. He continued to do his research. How do you kill a person? How do you chop them up? How do you cook them? All ways that he could feel more in control. Years went on. My mother wouldn't let me go out very often. I had a curfew. I don't think she ever wanted me to have my own thoughts and feelings. Armin never separates from his mother and continues to live an isolated lifestyle in their mansion. Oh, here you are. You're late again. I'm sorry I'm late. Their relationship had never progressed beyond mom and child. Even though he's an adult, she's still controlling things. She's still running the show. There's more soup in the kitchen. It's probably not warm anymore, but it's there. And there's no way he's going to act out his fantasies of cannibalism while his mother's alive. Then, in September of 1999, Armin's life gets turned upside down when his mother dies of a heart attack. When Armin's mother died, and he was left on his own, really, to fend for himself, he was just kind of sink or swim. Psychologically, no one can do well by that. He's got these fantasies. It's only a matter of time before he explodes. For the first time in his life, Armin is free to do as he pleases. And he only has one thing on his mind. I went online and I found a gentleman who was willing to partake in this fantasy. So he was willing? He wanted to give of himself. The cannibal, Lecter, has fascinated audiences for decades. From the Oscar-winning film The Silence of the Lambs to the critically acclaimed TV series Hannibal. There's really nothing supernatural about Hannibal Lecter's character. He didn't have powers like a vampire or anything like that. He didn't come from an alien culture or anything. He was just a man with superior intellect. Off the screen... Armin Mavis is trying to become a real-life man-eater himself. You couldn't look at the facts of this case and not think of Hannibal Lecter. So tell me about your mother and father. My father left us. My mother was very controlling of my life. One of the parallels between Armin and the Hannibal Lecter character is that in both of their childhoods, they each had different types of traumatic experiences. It appears that Armin's mother was extremely controlling. She really kept him a prisoner, and he just developed into a warped person.
person because of it. One of the things they say about cannibalism is it's fueled by an unhealthy attachment to your mom. I think his, his attachment, his unhealthy attachment to his mother was that she was the only person in his life. But with Armin's mom dead and buried, the Hannibal-like monster from within Armin is about to surface. He is finally free to act out on the things that have been festering inside himself, things he's wanted to do since he was a child. When she passed away, I felt the freest I'd ever felt. And I joined a chat room, a cannibal topic chat room. While surfing the internet, Armin is able to talk to people he thinks are just like him. Armin's in a tricky situation. He's got to be really careful. He's in these chat rooms with people who say they're interested in cannibalism, but they're not really serious about it. And he is. He wants to fulfill this fantasy of cannibalism, but he doesn't want to, he does not want to break the law. So he's got to find somebody who's willing to do it. It doesn't take long before Armin Mavis finds a man who shares his heinous fantasy. Armin had put out a want ad looking for a male who wanted to be killed and eaten. A man with a death wish named Bernd Brandis offers himself to Armin. Brandis answered the ad and he came forth and he wanted to be consumed. He wanted to be killed and eaten. Suicide by way of cannibalism is certainly a rarity, but like Armin, Bernd Brandis also suffers from a traumatic childhood, one of the key factors that can lead to becoming a cannibal. Bernd's mother died in a car accident that may have been suicide. Whether it was true or not, he believed that she did, that she left him on purpose. Parents who commit suicide, there is a higher risk for that child to eventually commit suicide also. And it seems to be imprinted in a child's mind. When, when his mother died, there doesn't seem to be a family grieving process. Father refused to talk about it. So not only did he lose his mother, but there didn't seem to be any support or love or caring from his father. Armin convinces Bernd that the two will never be alone if they commit the act of cannibalism during his assisted suicide. And Bernd is tired of being alone. The flip side of cannibalism is... Another way to stay forever connected to someone is to be eaten by them because you are forever linked with somebody. He was very lonely. <laughs> and he wanted to give of himself. Someone who is seeking out to be dominated and controlled and even at times abused physically and verbally if in their mind they believe that person loves them, cares for them, in their mind, they can take that as love. We talked it over a few times on the internet to see if we could bring it to flourishing. But these two men know that talk is cheap. These two guys come up with this idea that one of them will cut off a hunk of the other and feed it to him and eat it themselves. It's an idea too scary for the movies. 
Byrne agrees that that's what he wants. He wants to be the one to share his flesh that both of them will enjoy. Somehow, between these two men, there doesn't seem to be any value for human life. It's omitted from their entire interaction. Armin tells police about a kill room he created inside his mansion before he met up with Bernd. I had designed a room to make all of this happen. Armin's kill room is perfect for what he's going to do in it. This is going to get messy, so you want to contain it. It's isolated. If you're cutting somebody's flesh from them while they're still alive, there might be some screaming, there might be some sounds um, that you wouldn't want somebody walking by the house to hear. For Armin, there's no doubt that preparing himself for this event was very exciting. It's an unbelievable plan for two very disturbed individuals. The odds of these two guys finding each other is astronomically low. I mean, you just don't have a lot of cannibals running around in the world. And for these two guys to be in the same country, in the same chat room, it's astounding. Now the only thing left to do is for Bernd and Armin to meet in Make person. Make comfortable. You aren't kidding about this house. And when they do, their actions shock the entire world. It's really one of the scenes right out of Hannibal. It had to have been horrific. And it was real blood. It was real flesh. And there was nobody yelling cut at the end of it. It's Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner. If you like what you're hearing, check out the dark crime mysteries on your TV on Reels channel. There are the horrifying true stories of murderers like the Unabomber who used the mail to claim his victims and Ted Bundy, the serial killer who used his good looks to stalk unsuspecting women. Then check out the Reels medical mystery series, Autopsy, that reveals what really killed screen and music legends like Robin Williams, Lucille Ball, Prince, and Johnny Cash. You can find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. Dr. Hannibal Lecter, the famed cannibal who eats his victims without remorse, is a cinema icon. In many ways, Lecter is a truly captivating and terrifying figure. A classic villain. You just really have to admire the fact that even though he's clinically and by any other standard a sick man, he's able to shield that in most situations and operate as a normal human being that just likes to eat people. While Anthony Hopkins' role as Hannibal leaves audiences with chills for years, 
Armin Mavis and Bernd Brandis are two cannibals in the making, looking to upstage the Academy Award winner. After Armin and Bernd meet in an online chat room intended for cannibals, they arrange for a meeting in person. Both men talked about it, both men read about it, both men conversed on the internet about it, but yet neither one had ever partaken in eating another human being. But all that is set to change. Armin tells Bernd to delete all of their correspondences before meeting up. And we agreed on a day. He came to my house, willing, excited. Make yourself comfortable. You aren't kidding about this house. Where should we go? Let's have a few drinks. Okay. When Armin and Ben meet yeah. a few days later at the mansion, both men are eager to start their psychotic fantasy. Would you like some wine? I would love some, yeah. Thank you. Here's to us. <laughs> It had to have been a surreal moment for the two of them. I have some treats for us. They had chatted online about, you know, what they both wanted. <laughs> Appropriate. And the idea that these two guys who both had these desires that most people in, in the world don't have, they found each other. Armin can tell that his guest is slightly on edge about their plan. <sighs> A little something for your nerves, if you'd like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Byrne takes tranquilizers to relax him, to maybe stave off the pain that he's about to feel. You feel a lot better. But they don't take effect right away. And I think he gets a little nervous. Despite his nerves, Byrne stays the course. Armin begins drawing on Byrne's body to map out the places he wants to eat most. Armin was treating Burnt like Here? like a piece of meat, like an animal for slaughter. I mean, it defies humanity. But then, Bernd suddenly loses his nerve. I don't know if I can do this. He changed his mind eventually, and I planned to take him to the station. Shall I take you to the train? Yeah, I think that might be a good idea. Armin's good with that. He doesn't push him. He allows him, yes, if you don't want to do it, we won't do it. Are you upset? No. I don't think he was a killer. I think he would have let Bern go if home without harming him. Wait. I want to do this. I want to do this. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. He wanted to follow through with our plan to be together. After Bernd's change of heart, Armin escorts Bernd into the kill room. The two men are on the cusp of their wildest dreams.
once the drugs kicked in, he was right back on track, totally committed. <sighs> but will the two actually go through with their dangerously sick plan? Why, if someone wanted to kill themselves, would they choose cannibalism? Usually people that kill themselves do it in isolation. Here's an individual who wants his life ended, but to be consumed by another. In many ways, in a skewed perception, one could say, wants to end his life, but be desired by another. Armin turns on the camera and begins his statement. Do I have your permission to eat you? Yes, you do. I want to die. I can't imagine anything more disgusting and more than sicker than actually sticking a knife into somebody and cutting the flesh from them while they're alive with the idea that you're going to feed that flesh to them. Without blinking an eye, Armin plunges the butcher knife into Bernd's torso and removes a chunk of flesh. I took a piece of his flesh. Armin cuts the flesh off of Bernd's body. He brings it into the kitchen and begins sautéing it on the stove um, like it's a piece of meat. It's almost a parody of Hannibal's greatest lines of dialogue from the film. The fact that Armin is cooking up a big chunk of Burns' body and he's going to feed it to him and eat it himself, it's like that infamous line that Hannibal delivers when he said, I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. I mean, you don't get much more parallel than that. Shortly after preparing the feast, Armin returns to the kill room where Burns waits for his dinner. He asked for the first bite. And I gave him the first bite. Bernd has always wanted to die, but not without tasting human flesh first. When Armin feeds Bern a portion of his own flesh, it's really one of the scenes right out of Hannibal, when Hannibal feeds Ray Liotta's character a portion of his own brain. Before long, Bernd becomes faint from his wound. Armin asks him one last time if he's had a change of heart about ending his life. When Baron was in the bathtub, Armin wanted to call 911. Baron said no. He didn't want any help. He just wanted to bleed to death. And there you really have the makings of someone who really, truly wants to die, but doesn't want to die alone. Then Baron makes a plea with Armin. At some point, the loss of blood, the pain you know, really gets to him, and he begs Armin to put him out of his misery. And That's a turning point for Armin, because I think he had fantasized about eating his flesh. He knew this guy wanted to die, but I don't think he really thought about having to actually deliver the death blow himself. Could he do it? Did he have it in him? For three decades, Hannibal Lecter has terrified audiences across the world with a bloody mystique. With his meticulous nature, he turns being a cannibal into something of an art form. 
with the proper setting, the proper music, the proper complimentary dishes. But a documentary unfolding off the screen starring Armin Mavis and Bernd Brandis is even more terrifying than any Lecter film to date. I don't even know how you volunteer for that mission. Similar to the Gary Oldman character in the Hannibal film, he's fascinated with whatever that experience is. Is it the intense pain? Is it the fact that his flesh is going to be consumed by another human being? No one may ever know the exact reason why Bernd selected this mode of suicide. Do I have your permission to eat you? But they have made sure that yes, no one will do. ever forget it by taping it. I want to die. And so by filming this, you've got this tape to kind of bring you back to that euphoric feeling you had when you were actually acting out your fantasy. With Bernd growing weak from his knife wound, Armin asks if he'd like to opt out of his suicide mission. The pain must have been excruciating. And Armin asks him, do you want me to get you help? You know, there's, there's still time to back out. Do you want help? And Byrne says no. And Will Armin be able to commit the unthinkable sin? He doesn't think there's anything wrong with killing someone, provided they want to be killed. He thought he was doing right. It was a wish of my friend to get killed. That's what he said. But you see, that is very sick. Doing that is sick, sick, sick. Although Bairn's pain is over, the horror has just begun. That wasn't the end of it. He wasn't just like, oh, I've had enough, now I'm done. I hung him up, and I bled him out. I cut him into pieces. Armin relishes the opportunity to perpetuate his irresistible need for human flesh. I put him into bags, and I put them into the freezer to keep them, till I was ready to consume them. Cannibalism usually begins as a fantasy. People think about it, what's it going to be like? But once they actually do it, once they actually get the taste of flesh and blood, it's almost like a drug to them. An individual who is committing cannibalism craves it. So naturally, when they finally are able to consume flesh, they are euphoric. They are having a natural high based on the behavior. Armin's hunger only grows with every bite of human flesh. Everybody has fantasies. We have fantasies all day long. However, when the fantasies continue and there's no redirection, it's almost like a tree. It just kind of grows. And the branches invade all parts of the brain. And the individual becomes consumed in making this fantasy a reality. And soon, he starts to run out of food. His body was only going to last so long. And for a guy who has a taste for human flesh, as you can imagine, he's got to now start thinking about what am I going to do when this runs out. And he's got to find someone else. He's got to find another victim. 
Fearing that he'll run out of food, Armin decides to revisit the same cannibal chat rooms he met Bernd in. When Armin meets Daniel, I think he's thinking that he's got himself another burn. And I think Daniel leads him to believe that because he plays along with it. Armin is in for a shocking surprise. You know, last time I started with the stomach. I like to try another part to start with. When it's fresh, it's so good. Last time? What? You mean you've actually eaten someone before? Of course. Why else would we be here? Armin starts drawing on Daniel. Daniel, I think, kind of said, whoa, this guy's serious. Man, I thought this was just talk. Never doing something like this. With Armin's true intents exposed, Daniel makes a quick exit. He has no intentions of being Armin's newest meal. When Daniel left, I think Armin realized how difficult it was going to be to find another burn. And I think, I think it would have been at this point that even though the idea that was that he didn't want to harm anybody that didn't you know, have it coming or di didn't want it, I think Armin eventually to feed that habit, that, that, that desire for human flesh, I think he probably, his next victim would not have been, would not have been there willingly. Will Armin be able to kill someone against their will to satisfy the cravings he endures? Dr. Hannibal Lecter is the incarnation of pure evil. He always manages to be one step ahead of police and never gets caught. And if Armin Mavis is anything like the famous Hollywood villain, who knows just how many people will be eaten along the way. His desire was to find a willing victim, but I think if push came to shove and it came down to, am I going to get my flesh that I've now got a taste for, I think he would have found a victim and killed him. But Armin's grotesque desire for human flesh eventually catches up to him. Shortly after Armin's encounter with Daniel, police get an anonymous tip about some guy's weird behavior in a cannibal chat room. And they waste no time going out there to check out Armin. In Armin's home, police recover more than 3,500 photos of torture, pornography, and cannibalism from his hard drive. We got a lot to talk about then, don't we? Everything that they thought about humanity went right out the window, because this guy was just not living by anybody's rules. Once detectives open his freezer, they discover the most gruesome evidence they have ever seen. Human body part cut up like steaks. Boss? What do you got there? Have a look. Is this what I think it is? All right, where's he at? You're going to deny what we found in that freezer? When the police arrived and he was exposed as a cannibal, him down the station. there might have been some measure of relief for him. This sickness that had been inside of him for so long that he had carried, this deep, dark secret that he had carried for so long, he was going to be stopped. This outside force was going to stop him.
When Armin's interrogation ends, he reveals one final piece of crucial evidence that so far has been overlooked. The tape of Bairn's murder. I'm ready, are you? For Armin, who had been thinking about this all his life, this was a way of documenting it and holding on to the experience. In the same way, people involved romantically take pictures of each other, or a father takes home movies of his children. And you have this on tape? Yes. Where is it? It's at my home. This was something that most people can never even imagine. Uh, you might go to the movies and see it in the movies and never think that this could happen in real life, which is what makes it so absolutely frightening, is it did happen in real life. Reinhard Hebner, investigative journalist. I mean, Maibus was just a human being, I think, with cruel, cruel, cruel ideas. Do I have your permission to eat you? What's going on? It's Mavis. Yes, you do. He filmed the whole thing. I want to die. That is my wish. He filmed it. Nothing can prepare police for what they are about to witness. I mean, you've got a tape of this guy cutting up another human being and eating him. That was just absolutely over the edge for these detectives. I mean, some of them couldn't watch. Sick bastard. The deed of Amin Maivis was disgusting, and there is no apologizing for that. Mavis's crime makes him an international sensation. This crime was written in all the newspapers all over the world because it's so rare something happens like this. After spending a year behind bars, police finally bring Armin Mavis to court for his crime. I think if you murder someone, it's terrible. I think if you do th things like that, something must be crazy in your head. During his trial, psychologists seem endlessly puzzled. There's no exact diagnosis that fits Mavis. They didn't find anything psychologically wrong with him. In terms of a mental health disorder, he was judged by the courts to be sane. But there is little <gasps> doubt that Armin is guilty of the crime. Jurors were shown portions of the tape of Armin killing Bernd, eating his body. Many of these jurors probably had watched Silence of the Lambs. They might have seen, you know, the Hannibal series, no problem. But actually having to watch that cannibalism in real life, they couldn't do it. After an emotionally draining trial, Mavis is sentenced to life in prison. Maivis said it was necessary to be in jail and it was right to punish me. Allegedly, he's now a model inmate who shows no signs of anger or violence. I asked Armin Maivis when I met him whether he feels guilty and I asked him, did you change? Well, he said, yeah, I would never do it again. And because of his model behavior in prison, police now ask for Armin's assistance in catching other cannibals. I think another one of the direct parallels between our real-life cannibal Armin and the Hannibal movies is while Armin was incarcerated, he begins to assist the police 
in helping them solve various cases. Now, we don't know whether anyone was actually convicted based on information he provided, but I think that there's no question that he was trying to at least emulate the Hannibal Lecter character. He is intelligent, of course, because of his work and because of his being intelligent, he helped them. He knew how to do it. Since there's no death penalty in Germany, it's highly probable that Mavis could be freed if this kind of good behavior continues. What Armin Mavis had done, it was a horrible crime and it's disgusting. But someday he will live free as a free man. But when this will happen, I don't know. One can only hope that when Armin is set free, his ending is different than Silence of the Lambs. End of Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter is free. He's on the run. He makes a phone call to Clarice Starling, and he has a great closing line, I'm having an old friend for dinner. Who knows, maybe one day Armin will do that as well. If you enjoyed this episode of Copycat Killers, don't forget to subscribe at Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. Then go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including chilling reenactments and crime scene photos you'll only find on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. I'm Dr. J. Buzzman Ornsteiner.